And you guys can grab a seat, but Pastor Nathan, if you'll stay right there, can we sing that bridge one more time? Here's what I want us to start our morning off with. Before we open up God's word together, we have to get a grip and a just grasp of the greatness and the magnitude of our God. Because when we see who God is and when we open the scriptures, what happens in that moment is God aligns our heart with his And so I want us to sing like we mean it. Sing like we need him more than anything else. And the lights will be on and we're sitting and it may be awkward. Because if you've seen me up here, I love to move a little bit. I like to have a little energy in the room. I love when the hands go up in the room because we begin to surrender to who God is. But more than anything, our hearts need to see God this morning, because the scriptures that we're going to open with in a little bit are going to challenge us. They're going to mess with us inside, and God, through the power of Holy Spirit, is going to do a work in us this morning. And so I want us to sing, if we can do that, Pastor Nathan. He didn't know I was going to do this. There we go. Let's sing this out. All the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry. These bones will sing. Great are you, Lord. All the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry. These bones will sing. Great are you. Shout your praise, our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. Great are you, Lord. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise, we pour out our praise, it's your breath. In our lungs, so we pour out our praise to you only. Great are you, Lord. So God, would you come this morning? Would you give us ears to hear? Holy Spirit, would you do a work in us this morning as we open your word, God? What a joy it is to gather with your people to open your word. So God, thank you for that. We love you and we pray this in the incredible and mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Well, hey, it is so good to be with you guys. Pastor Nathan, thanks, buddy. Um, man, I love that guy. If y'all don't know him, you need to take him out for coffee because he is one of the coolest guys in the world. Um, man, my name is Luke Bilberry. And if you're visiting with us, um, and we just want to welcome you here to Chapel Point, man. This is a place where we... Consider it such an honor to gather with people like yourselves. Open up God's word because what we believe is that when we open God's word together, he does a work in us and changes us and guides us and shepherds us because he's good and he loves us. And so I just want to invite you into that. If you're visiting with us, I mean, just invite you to kind of lean in to what God is saying, what he's doing in your heart. Because we say it a lot around here that when God speaks, it demands a response. And so we want to be people who respond appropriately to who God is and what he is saying and calling us to. 
And so if you joined us, uh, this, we're in the middle of a series going through the book of Colossians called Completely Transformed. And the whole idea is that we would be completely transformed. Uh, I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory in those two words. But that is our heart's cry. It's part of our vision statement here is that we want to see transformed followers of Jesus Christ passionately responding to God, rooted in prayer, and equipping disciples. And so this book, as we walk through it kind of verse by verse in a way, is just the core of who we are as a church. And it's been incredible to think through, and what does that look like for us as individuals? And it starts off in the beginning of the book, getting a greater view of who God is. You get this incredible passage in chapter 1, verse 15, about who Jesus is, that he is the image of God. That when the disciples and the people uh, who met Jesus face to face, they were looking into the face of God. And we get to do that same thing when we walk in a relationship with him through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we just pray that, man, that God does a work in us. As we walk through God's word, that is our prayer for us. How is he shaping? How is he molding? How is he uh, working in our lives? And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to go to Colossians chapter 3, verse 18 through 21. We're going to look at 41 words. 41 words. And I just be, can I just be honest with you guys? Is this, is this a safe place for me to talk with you guys? Yes? Okay. A little, verbal response is awesome. Um, just a little head nod, anything that, that you guys are with me, then I'm not talking to myself. These 41 words mess with me. They mess with me. And how do we, when God speaks to us, how do we respond? And men, today's a big day for us as we read God's word. It's a big day for us, men. So I want us to stand and we're going to read God's word together. Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 18. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. So Father, as we have read your word, we come to you this morning to declare with our mouths that you are God. You are good, and there is none like you. May you give us a greater view of who you are this morning. Holy Spirit, would you come and speak truth to our hearts. May you help us respond to your truth. So that all things, people will see Jesus, the light of the world, through us, your children. Thank you, God, for allowing us to gather here this morning. And as you speak, give us ears to listen and hearts to respond. And everyone said, amen. You guys can grab a seat. Woo! Colossians 3, 18 through 21, all right? Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Children, obey your parents. Dads, don't mess it up. <laughs> right? When we hear these words, sometimes we can take them on and think, oh, it is a weight, it is a burden, it is something that uh, I don't know if I can do this. And last week we talked a little bit about how are you dressed for influence? How are you putting on the things that God would have for you so that you can walk 
in his light, that you can replicate Jesus in any and every circumstance. And we looked at a few of those things. Well, you know what it made me think of? It made me think of a childhood friend of mine, Mr. Rogers. Anybody, any, any older people in the room know what I'm talking about? A little, a little Mr. Rogers, right? Won't you be... There you go. Why don't you be my neighbor? Um, my cardigan game is not really strong in my closet, so I apologize. So I got the jacket here. So Mr. Rogers, for you young people in the room, what he would do is this TV show full of puppets. There was like really terrible animation, but they had puppets, and this guy named Mr. Rogers would walk in singing this song, Won't You Be My Neighbor. He would take off his cardigan. He would go to sit down on his chair. He would kick off his shoes. How many uh, pastors have you seen kick off their shoes on stage? Uh, well, there we go. Chapel Point, how are we doing? Uh, he would take his shoes. He would switch them as he walks in, which I've always thought is just interesting until I moved to West Michigan and then there's snow and then you like take your shoes off because then you don't want to track people's snow and then he'd grab another cardigan that man had lots of cardigans and he would put on another jacket and I think a lot of times in our homes we do the very same thing we are dressed for influence in our workplace we are dressed to be seen in a certain light in certain social settings and then we come home, and we sit down, and we put on something different. We put on something different. And maybe you've been like that before. Maybe you feel this tension that you're like, oh, man, I'm getting off work, and I'm headed home, and I'm not sure I'm ready for that. And it's been a tough day. I don't know how to handle the situations going on and around me. And the one place that I want to feel safe and secure, I don't know if that is the place I feel that. Students in the room, I know you feel this tension because you've told me that. That, man, if my parents knew this about me, if they knew what was happening in my life, they wouldn't understand. They wouldn't get it. And so we are one way in one social setting, and then we come home and we put on the clothes. And I think a lot of us, even too, as Christians, we do that when we walk into a place like this on Sunday morning. We think, oh, I'm at the door. Oh, got to get my Jesus clothes on. Here we go. Oh, great is you, Lord. You know, amen. Right? And we walk into this place. And my friends, this morning, God is challenging us through his word, through our homes, to be completely transformed, to be completely changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, to be challenged, to be equipped, to move forward in Christ-likeness. I love one commentator. He said this, We are formed by the relationships in which we live, whether they are wholesome and life-giving or ugly and destructive. What is your home like? How are you dressed for influence in your home? Husbands, wives, mothers, children. How are you dressed for influence? Because you all, y'all, the proper southern plural, you. Could, I, could you just say y'all with me? One, two, three. Man, thank you. I just felt like I was at home right there. If you don't know, if you're new with us, I'm from Texas. And that just, that just spoke love language all to my heart right there. Um, y'all influence one another positively, negatively, to be more like Christ or to hinder that walk in relationship with Christ. Children, you have that effect on your parents. Husbands, you have that on your wives. Wives, you have that on your husbands. 
How are you dressed for influence? And is it the same in whatever setting you're in? Is it if you have one jacket on or you have the other jacket on, right? How are you dressed for influence? I don't wear jackets that often. So So we need to do a little work in the scripture this morning. What is the scripture saying to us? So let's look in our Bible, follow along with me, and we're going to walk through this passage. Colossians 3.18. Wives, submit to your husbands. Our culture messes with us when it comes to this verse. And the thing we have to do here and now, the work that we have to do, is we have to decide which lens are we going to look through. Is it going to be the lens through the truth of God's word, through the scriptures? Is this going to be our baseline and authority? Or are we going to allow culture to dictate what that looks like? And so that's where it, it seems tricky. Wives, submit to your husbands. The culture, the world says, uh-uh, I'm not submitting to him. I know that guy. I've seen him at home. I'm not going to submit to him. Because what the culture says is that word submit means you have less value. You are less than. You have less worth than the man, than the husband. And so that is what the world is saying. And that, I think, is one of the reasons why, and there's many other reasons, but we are seeing marriages happen later and later in life because of this idea, do I want to subjugate myself? Do I want to essentially become a slave to this person as this old Christian thought would have it? And I want us to think differently about this concept. Because notice, I didn't finish the rest of that verse. It says, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. As is fitting to the Lord. Ladies, you look at me for a second. Submission is to God first. It is to God first. It is saying, Jesus Christ, you are the king, and I submit my life to you because you know what is best. You know what is for me. You have you've, all my thoughts, all of my intentions, you know them. And so I trust you, Jesus, in all things, in all situations, and in all circumstances. This, my friends, this is fitting to the Lord. This is what it looks like. It is like gears is the language that they're using. It fits in the place for you as a woman of God, a Proverbs 31 woman, to find yourself in submission to authority, if you will. And I will explain and unpack that word because earlier you remember, men, I said buckle up, right? It's a big day for us. It is fitting like a gear that turns and moves it in motion and it makes it work properly when we submit as is fitting to the Lord. This word submission is not the lesson. It is not a value statement. In fact, it is a military term that we would fall in line, that we would fit into God's plan. If Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, then my friends, we are not our own. We are not our own, and so how dare we claim rights that say, this is my life. 
This is what I deserve. You don't know what he did to me. You don't know how lazy he is. You don't know what just, I don't know why I said yes to that guy. But when we begin to submit and realize our submission is to God first, we lay down our rights and say, Jesus, I trust you. All right, if you're married in the room, why don't you look next to your spouse, give him a quick hug, give him a lump to my eyes. Why don't you say, I love you? All right, all right, we're good, okay? Everyone good. All right. So submission is to God first. It is, in fact, it is the very nature of God. In 1 Corinthians 11.3, it says this. But I want you to understand, Paul is writing, that the head of every man is Christ. The head of the wife is her husband. And notice this, the head of Christ is God. Submission is core to the identity of God, the person. This is who he is. God is submissive because we believe Jesus Christ is God. Fully man, fully God. And he is submitted to God the Father. And Holy Spirit is submitted to the will of the Father and does as the Father pleases. Because this is love. And God models it for us. This is what submission looks like. It is not a blind, I'll do whatever he says. It is not a, I will not think for myself. It is not a yes sir and get in line kind of language. It is because I love and trust God and God has placed me in this marriage and in this home. I will trust and I will submit and I will offer words of wisdom and insight and encouragement. But what you do, women of God, is you look at your husbands and say, I trust you. And I pray that you are trusting in Jesus and following him hard in everything. That, my friends, that's godly, beautiful submission. Whenever we say yes to God, and because of that, I will trust and follow you, husband. It is beautiful. It is a gift. It is a gift that you give to God as worship, that you give to your husband. And guess what? Guys, let's talk about that for a second. Let's continue to read Colossians 1, or Colossians 3, 18 through 21, excuse me. Verse 19, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Husbands, love your wives. You're like, oh, psh, done. Got it. I love her. She's beautiful. She's my girl. I love her. All right, what, all right, Jesus, let's go. All right, what? No, you got to unpack that. We got to do some work. What does that mean? This is like a concentrated passage for us. It is like, I'm a big fan of coffee. Uh, and cold brew is kind of one of those things I'm a big fan of at the moment because it's like concentrated caffeine. And so it's like, woo, right when you drink it. Um, I mean, it is good. It is smooth going down, but it gives you like a punch in the face of caffeine that you just can't. You're just like, yes. Um, and this verse is like that. It's concentrated. It's boiled down. And so we need to kind of uh, 
unpack this a little bit. So I want you guys to go with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. We're actually going to back up a little bit to verse 5. 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, like we saw in 1 Corinthians. Even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its savior. Now that as the church submits to Christ, so also wives submit in everything to your husbands. And then here we go. Listen carefully, men. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That he might sanctify, that he may set apart, that he may, in a way, help her become more holy. Having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. So that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. That she might be holy and without blemish. So husbands love your wives That's the concentrated version of it. The full version is this picture. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Scripture paints a very beautiful picture of what that looks like. And it's called the cross. The cross of Jesus Christ, husbands, that is the model. That is the thing that we look to and say, how am I doing you want, you want a, a kind of a grade checklist to see how are you loving your wife? Are you dying for her? Are you giving up your life? Are you laying down your rights and saying, it's not about me, honey. How can I serve you so that I can serve the king? God has entrusted to us as husbands to be stewards of our marriage. You have a resource in your wife that God is saying, I'm giving this to you. Please cherish it. Please care for it. Please help it. Scriptures go in a pack that we would wash our wives in the water of the word, meaning that we would lead them and we would guide them and we would teach them so that at the day of Christ's return, husbands, we could present our wives and say, Jesus, here's here's the resource you gave me. Here's the thing that you've trusted me with. Please be honored, God. I did my best. This messes with me. Because our homes matter. It is the thing I am most passionate about in this life right now. Is that our homes, everything we do at Chapel Point Family Ministries, that we would lead homes to follow Jesus. And it starts with me. It starts with you, husbands. How are you leading your home? If you're dating and you're engaged or you're thinking about getting married, men, get this straight first. It's not about the house or the car or the number of kids. It is about you saying, Jesus, the Christ, I'm following after you. And that means if you trust me with a wife, if you give me a gift so precious as her, I will love her as you have loved the church. Jesus left heaven and he came to earth. 
And he bore our sins on his shoulders and he carried them up a hill to a, to a hill called Golgotha. And he had his arms stretched and nails pierced through his hands and through his feet to say, I love you, church. And husbands, where are we stretched out? Where are we sacrificing? Where are we the living example of the gospel in our homes? I've heard it said by some people that really husbands and fathers, we are, we are pastors of our homes. And is your life, is my life, is it living and breathing the gospel? As we sang, it is your breath and our lungs. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our lives to love our wives. Husbands, how are we doing? I want you to understand this concept. Your influence, your leadership, your guidance, your shepherding, your pastoring of your home can cause growth or hinder it. It can cause growth or hinder it. When we put Jesus on display and our lives and our actions and our word match up, that is when it is beautiful and it causes growth in our homes and in our wives. So wives, this scripture is not one to say, come on, honey, get in line. But in fact, it's a call for men to lead stronger. It is a call for us to take up our cross daily, Luke 9, 23, and follow after Jesus and that means we look back and say, this way, honey. Jesus is taking us this way. And I'm considering all these options, and I'm praying, and, and I'm trusting, and I'm listening to you, honey, and I think he's leading us this way. Headship in a Christian home is one that is marked by servanthood. So men, how are we doing? Husbands, how are we doing? Is our home, is our life marked by servanthood. And I pray that God Almighty would look at you and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Keep going. And I know that when we trust and we are transformed, Romans 12, 1, by the renewing of our mind, God will have his way. I love that. When we trust, when we take our step of faith, God is going to work. God is at work in our marriages. Isn't that good? You with me? Husbands, why don't you look at your wife, square in the eyes, and I want you to say, I love you. That's good. Because it is, when we get that picture of what love really is, greater love is no one than this, Jesus tells us, that he would lay down his life for a friend. And Jesus tells us, I call you friends. I invite you in. And so husbands, greater love has no husband than he would lay down his life for his wife. Because this is what Christ did for us. Let's continue moving forward in the passage. 
Colossians tells us in verse 3, 20. All right, children, you ready? Students in the room, you ready? This is another one of those interesting verses because it's like, wait, is this just a directive and there's nothing else tied to it? No, you just wait. We'll talk to your dads in a second. Children, obey your parents in everything. And all the parents are like, amen, say it again. Um, children are like, what did he just say? I'm not listening. Um, children, obey your parents in everything. For this pleases the Lord. For this pleases the Lord. Students, your obedience reveals your walk with God. It reveals your walk with God. What happens in this moment is, again, are we seeing a thread? There is a trust issue at work here. I trust you, mom and dad, because I trust God. And if God is as good as you tell me he is, and if he is as powerful as the scriptures reveal him to be, then I will trust you. Because God has placed me in your home under your leadership, I will obey. In fact, we tell Madeline, um, our eight-year-old, who is just a rock star, man, that girl, she just... What a gift uh, that God has given to us and our family and her. She's smart. She's sarcastic. I love it. Uh, she's so witty. Um, but we tell her, honey, obedience is a sign of your love. When you obey mom and dad, you are essentially saying, I love you. I'm responding to you, and I love you. And you can ask her. If you see her running around a little bit, ask her, hey, Madeline. What does obedience mean? Please, please, I'm inviting you in to help me parent my child. This is what we do. This is the church community. Please ask her. She may have a witty response, and then she'll tell you. Uh, but she needs to hear these things because it helps her grow. It helps her grow into God has made her to be a strong, beautiful smart woman of God who displays all the characteristics of a godly woman. And it begins by revealing her heart and her walk with God. So students, you need to do a little soul searching this morning to be obedient. This is an interesting passage because it goes all the way back to the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20. I mean, it's one of the big ten, right? Children, obey your mother and father. Why does this matter so much? Because it is, again, at the heartbeat of God. Obedience, Scripture tells us, brings blessing. Disobedience brings hardships and hurts and stubbed toes on the journey of life. When you think, oh, if I would have just listened, I might not have hit that speed bump. I might not have tripped over that situation or that relationship issue. So students, children... Obey your parents. And here's why. Because it pleases the Lord. It is essentially as much worship as you sing in here this morning. It is as much worship when you open God's word and read it and, and pray to him. 
It is as much worship when you serve your community. It is as much worship when you go on a mission trip, when you obey your parents. It pleases the Lord. Like, think about that. Like, that needs to become the frame of reference. That needs to become the clothes that you put on in every situation, students and kids, is I'm going to be obedient because it pleases the Lord. So it's not one way at school full of disobedience and quiet obedience in the house just so mom and dad get off your back. But it is obedience in both places. Right? It pleases the Lord. This is worship. All right. Men, told you. It's a big day for us. Fathers, you ready for this? Verse 21. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. I want you to notice something interesting about this passage. These 41 words, there's kind of an A-B uh, kind of switch. Wives, submit your husbands because this is fitting, as is fitting to the Lord. So there's this, wives, do this, and it pleases the Lord. It serves the Lord. Husbands, try not to mess it up. Children, obey the Lord for this pleases, obey your parents for this pleases the Lord. Again, there's this action item and the response, it will be pleasing to the Lord. Husbands, Please, don't mess it up. I mean, fathers, please don't mess it up. And there's this back and forth. And what we see in there is it says, do not be harsh with your wives and do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Again, husbands, listen carefully. Your influence has more impact and more power than you can imagine then you can even begin to wrap your mind around. And I just want to say it this way. Leading is better than provoking. Leading is better than provoking. That you would constantly be riding your kids. Well, If that begins to harden their hearts, you know what they're not doing? They're not listening to you. Their ears may hear, but their hearts have stopped listening. And what is happening in both the wife situation and in the children situation, men, is bitterness is taking root in the heart of your people and in your home. And so we need to do the hard work of removing that, of excavating that bitterness out of our homes. And that comes through sacrifice and laying down our lives and stewarding the gifts that God has given us, our wives and our children, our home. We have to remove bitterness because bitterness is this seed that gets planted in our hearts when things seem to go against our way. And it brings all sorts of hurt and destruction. It is a virus in our souls. That you may play the game and you may get in line, but there's still this, ugh, I don't trust them. I don't believe them. I'm not, I, I, ugh, I just can't listen to them. That, my friends, is dangerous. It's dangerous for the church when bitterness gets in because it begins to divide. It brings division in our homes. And God is calling for a unified Christian home so that it can be a light for the kingdom of God. And husbands and wives and children, I want you to think about this. Your home is an outpost for the kingdom of God. 
for the kingdom of heaven all around this area from Byron Center and Grand Rapids out to Zeeland and Holland, wherever you find your home, your home is strategically placed by God Almighty to be an outpost for the kingdom of God. That your neighbors around you would see a city on a hill, a light in darkness. They would see a beacon of hope seen. I don't have it together, but I know those people may have an answer. And husbands, fathers, it is better to lead than to provoke. It is better to lead than provoke. Proverbs 20 verse 7 says this. The righteous who walks in integrity, meaning this, he's got the same clothes on in every situation. He's got in the workplace or in the home place or in the social setting or a sports club. He has the same clothes on. He is the same man in the light as he is in the dark. He is the same man around people as he is by himself. He's the same person, a man who walks in integrity. Blessed are his children after him. It's Proverbs 20, verse 7. So fathers... Again, you've been given a gift to steward in your children. Are you building them up? Or are you poking holes in them? And it's better to lead, to build up, to raise up, than to be the one who's constantly poking holes in things so that they don't grow. One commentator said it like this, where there is sacrifice and submission in an atmosphere of love, you will find a happy home. So men, we are called to sacrifice. Wives, we're called to submit. Children, we are called to submit. We are called to be obedient, every single one of us. Wives, husbands, children. To be obedient, sacrificial, submissive. And I like it says it'll find a happy home because I think that's the goal for a lot of us is I just want a happy home where there's peace and it's just good and everyone's getting along and there's not a whole lot of strife and issues going on. I think God has more for us, to be honest with you. I think when we begin to sacrifice and submit in our homes in the outpost of the kingdom of heaven, you will find a godly home. You will find a family that has widened their stance for the things of life. Is something we've been saying throughout this series. How is God calling you to widen your stance so that you can have more influence and you can embrace more challenge and difficulty? Because guess what? We will find it in this life. So not only will you find a happy home, a godly home, you'll find a home that has widened their stance. You will find a family that's ready to embrace the journey that God has for them. That may mean you're going to walk through health difficulties. That may mean you're going to walk through relational difficulties. That may mean you may walk through just a tragedy that you didn't see happening. But when your family is sacrificing in submission and is to God Almighty, my friends, guess what? God is made much of and you are right in the middle of God's will. You're right where he wants you, even if it hurts and it seems like a challenge. And you'll find a family that is able to be a light in darkness when sacrifice and submission in a loving environment, a loving, sacrificial, Christ-like love is happening. It makes me think of this. Jesus Christ, and children, listen closely. Jesus Christ, on the night of his betrayal, he walked to a garden with his people, three of his closest friends, his family, if you will. His heart was heavy because he knew where he was going. 
He was going to the cross. And you know what he did in that moment? He did what all good, uh, what children do in the midst of crisis. They call out to their parents. And Jesus Christ said, Father, Father, there's any other way. There's any other way. Let this cup pass. Let this judgment pass. God, this is going to hurt. Please, Father, is there another way? And he said, Jesus said, but not my will, but your will. Not my wants, Father, but your desire, your plan. Because you know what Jesus did in that moment? He brought us into the family when he submitted and he sacrificed his life. He opened the door so that you and I could come in and we can be family. Look around this room because we are all brothers and sisters who trust in the name of Jesus Christ. This would not be possible had Jesus not sacrificed and submitted to his father, to his family. Your home, the Christian family, it is the proving ground for the Christian life. Husbands, wives, children, what you do in your home echoes and ripples throughout the rest of your life. And in every situation, every circumstance, your home is the proving ground. It is the place where it matters the most. So my friends, this morning, I have to ask you, I have to ask you, where is God calling you to say, not my will, not my rights, not my preference, but yours, God? When we begin to ask that question, the dynamics in our home will change. Because Holy Spirit is saying things to us all the time. But we have to surrender our lives to that calling, to that word, to what he is speaking to us. So here's what I want you to do. In a minute, our, our, our worship team is going to come out and we're going to respond to the word of God and what he's saying to us. But if you're taking notes, I want, to write, I want you to write down a couple questions. And this, my friends, you feel free to stay in this room as long as you need. If you, this is the place you can have the conversation, we have some amazing servants that are watching your kids and they love them. And they love them dearly. If this is a place, husbands and wives, you need to talk for a minute, please stay. Do not walk out these doors and miss a moment to meet with God the Father and get on the same page together. That we, our family, will submit to Jesus Christ. And husbands, this is a moment to apologize or to repent to God or to your spouse or to your kids. And in fact, while the worship team is playing, Feel free to come up here if you need to pray. This is a place for you to do the work of surrendering to Jesus Christ. And if you don't know what that means or what that looks like, man, I'm here. I will stand up here as long as it takes to tell you about Jesus Christ and how he can radically change your life. How he can take your home where you think God can't do a miracle and I can tell you 
I can tell you testimony after testimony that Jesus works miracles today in homes. And I see it in this church all the time. And he can do a work in your home when you surrender to him. But here's some questions that you need to ask. Husbands, you need to lead this conversation. How can I serve you? Ask your wife that. How can I serve you? And listen. Don't speak. Just listen. How can I serve you? And then take action. Dads, ask your children, am I helping you grow spiritually? How can I help you grow spiritually? How can I pray for you? Wives, ask your husband the very same question. How can I serve you? How can I serve you? If this begins to be the language in your home, you guess what's happening? Everyone is being taken care of. Because husband is serving wife and serving kids and serving one another. And wives are serving their husbands. Everyone in the home will be taken care of. And children, here's the question that you need to ask your parents. You can ask it in this room if you're here. You can ask us at the lunch table when you go or dinner tonight, wherever you find yourselves or in the car as you leave. Ask, are there areas where I'm being disobedient? Invite accountability. Mature believers, mature followers of Jesus invite accountability into their lives. So children, ask, is there a place where I'm being disobedient? And then children, I want you to ask for forgiveness. Ask your parents to help you grow spiritually. And my friends, we're here as a church to help you do that. Our passion is to help you lead your home to follow Jesus in everything. So if you need help, it's why we're here. Ask questions so that we can grow as a church community. And I just have to say it. Husbands, lead the way. Lead the way for your home to flourish in the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ who made a way for us to know God. You have that opportunity today to make a way for your family, your wives, your children to come to know God in a greater way as we sang earlier. So I'm going to pray for us. And this... These steps, there's nothing special about them, but you're free to move and to pray. You're free to stay in this room as long as it takes to have conversation. Please do not rush from this moment of sitting with your spouse and in the presence of God Almighty. So Father, we come and we say thank you for loving us. We say thank you for being a God who cares so deeply for us. That you would move heaven and earth to bring us into a family of love, a family of grace, a family of hope that brings life and freedom and forgiveness. Lord Jesus, would you move in this place and draw your children to you that we could know our Heavenly Father. So God, we thank you that we get to put off the old self and we get to take on you, Jesus. So God, would you work in us today for your glory and for your name and for your renown. We love you. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's stand and respond. This time is for you to respond in prayer and worship to the living God. Take advantage of it this morning.